Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to a new season of the Bad Batch and a new season of spoiler reviews here from the Geek Buddies. Hey, how's it going? Everybody? Oh wait, no, I've got a, I've got something coming through here. Omega's in trouble yet again. Let's get everybody on this thing. We are jumping into the first two episodes. That just dropped here on Disney Plus for the return of the Bad Batch. You know, I hope you all enjoyed your break. It's over. 2023 has started and all the geek stuff is starting to come on, down on top of us. Starting off with Willow stuff and then here with Bad Batch today. Seasons, uh, episodes one and two. We're going to jump into everything that happened here on the planet Sereno and Count Dooku's castle. Little Clone Wars references. Little uh, references to Omega and what her her um, uh, path has led them to. The Empire. All this stuff going on here picking up a lot of the storylines that had been bubbling through the season through season one into now season two and i uh i want to say right off the bat i really enjoyed these things but let's uh let's have a comment let's uh, introduce ourselves first i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer. And if my uh, internet goes a little squiffy, I apologize. It's been raining a lot yeah. in Los Angeles. There is a currently a little stream of water dribbling outside my window. I'm hoping oh. that doesn't affect uh, my internet. So <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> I thought you meant dribbling inside what the house. Like, it's really I, odd. Do you... What? I'm just wondering how that water is going to affect your internet. I'm just wondering how this all works. Well, no, I'm saying it's it's it is it is raining a lot, and yes. that can affect uh, electricity and whatnot. The the dribble outside my window is something that literally just happened. Those were independent <laughs> thoughts that were in you know under the same umbrella, which my window I mean, needs right now. Between between last between this week's actual episode and this, I've got John Roca obsessed with snow. I've got you really scared of rain. I don't. I'm I'm waiting to see what my weather patterns are. I'm not afraid of rain. I'm just saying yeah, the rain has, like an effect, has an effect on the power in my neighborhood. I would think that it would be a little more. Uh, I think you'd be a little more of a sun sun guy, Mike. It seems like from Florida to California, you're very much a sun guy. So I do have a sunshiny sun personality. Sunshiny personality. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, so oh. we're going to jump into <laughs> But I do want to give some love here to, of course, Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies, continuing into 2023 much love to them you got any healthcare questions concerns or needs if you're a clone that's got your leg broke you know what head on over to carbon health and get taken care of there at carbonhealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket 100 plus locations all over the country 80 plus locations in california alone get anything you got going on taken a look at by the fine people at carbon health all right episodes one and two spoils of war and the ruins of war let's start off with overall thoughts here Mike Vogel, you always I love to start with you first. Go ahead, please. Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. I was really happy to come back to the Bad Batch world. I wasn't blown away. I don't yeah. think they started season two with a bang. I thought they started season two with two very nice episodes. But I think mm -hmm. that, you know, I, one of the uh, complaints that people had with Bad Batch season one was it was kind of wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, you're on right. Ord Mantel. Sid gives you a mission. You go out. 
you execute the mission, you fight some stormtroopers and or clone troopers, you come back. And so this was kind of that. Um, I think that there were some really nice things in this episode when we get into the details of it. Uh, I think that there's the promise of new things to come, but I do think with season two, uh, I would really like them to pick things up a little bit. I think that I'm, I'm ready for the pace of Bad Batch to increase. I'm ready for the stakes to get higher. I'm ready yeah. for them to really step outside of, all right, well, let's, what's the mission this week kind of formula. Um, so I like, I like, I liked everything. I think we got a little bit more time with tech. I got, we got more time with echo. We're seeing yeah. some fractures within the team. Omega's a little older. So there was a lot of fun stuff. If you're a clone wars nerd, lots of fun Easter eggs for you. So there was a lot of good stuff here, but I was left a little bit like, okay, where are we going to go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shane, how did you feel? Certainly we're picking up. I'm not going to get too deep into the details, details just yet, but we're picking up right in the middle of a, of a mission that the Bad Batch is on. We're seeing Omega is older. She's studying ship uh, construction, ship blueprints, all of that kind of stuff. Sid's still involved. We get introduced to Wanda Sykes' character, and we go to this planet Sereno and uh, go to the old Count Dooku's castle and this idea of the spoils of war here, what it can all lead to. And we meet a resident of that planet as well, who's been essentially pushed into the woods by uh, by what the Empire did. So what did you think overall about what we got here in the first two episodes of Bad Batch? Season Look, two? I thought it was it was a lot of fun. It, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. I mean, I think there was a lot of solid action. Um, I, I think getting to see an older, more capable Omega was fun, and they finally got her a helmet. Um, apparently she had to grow into that. <laughs> you would think of the amount of missions she would go on, they'd give her something to cover her, her vital bits with. Um, but I mean, I do agree. I do agree with Vogel. I mean, we got to the end and it touches on some stuff, but I feel yeah. like last season touched on a lot of stuff. It touched, it touched on a lot of potential. Um, at, at this point, I feel like it, it is, it is setting up something that it hasn't quite delivered yet narratively, but just based off of these first two episodes, it's a it's it's a lot of fun. Some very very creative action, um, and we'll see because I think at the beginning of last season, the assumption from not just the three of us but most of the Star Wars audience was like, okay, at some point that bigger story is going to kick into high gear, and it never yeah. quite got there. Um, yeah. That's not to say the show was not good. Everything everything was good. Everything was fun, but. I think the thing that really um, set the Clone Wars and Rebels apart was, aside from having this uh, this great action and and great characters, was that bigger story. Yeah. And right now, it doesn't it doesn't have that quite yet. But that's not to say in the next fourteen episodes it won't get there. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I, I they sent me the first fourteen episodes, didn't quite finish all of them, but certainly these first two episodes, I went back and rewatched for our um, uh, review here today, and I gotta say, I I like the beginning, but then I'm the kind of person that enjoys this show, and I think a lot of people reviewed it who had seen the first fourteen episodes and said, if you like season one, you're gonna like season two. If you don't like season one, you're not gonna like season two. So it seems like they're not changing too much about what they're doing. I think both of you hit the nail on the head in different ways in that um, we're getting the fact that they've got the storylines here that carried over, but also this idea that um, the Empire, they're teasing these bigger stories, teasing these things that haven't quite landed. And we get a lot of this here. I mean, you get Omega uh, certainly arguing about where her spot in all of this is, the guilt she feels since Camino, all the things that have been sacrificed, but also this idea that Echo is the one who's like, we got to do more, Hunter, tech we got to do more we got to fight this rebellion even sid's like you guys think you're free uh you're not really aware of what's really going on out there and hunter is the one that's been kind of trying to create these massive uh blinders like horse blinders to cover all of them just like we're just gonna do our missions collect our money and try to survive when in fact there's more going on it kind of mirrors what we saw with andor right i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna steal figure things out and just kind of eke out a living and here's Luthen saying, dude, there's something bigger happening that you can be a part of. And Echo seems to be serving that role a lot more forcefully right off the bat in these first two episodes, which I like is a nice new color. Plus, we get a little joke, some jokes from Tech. If Tech starts developing a dry sense of humor, I'm even more 100% into this show for sure. So, um, all right, let's get into the first episode as we break this whole thing down. I'll go through the whole deal. It's, it's not that complex. So I'll go through everything and then we'll 
We'll talk it uh, talk it out here. We start out with members of the crew running from some kind of crab pre- creatures on a beach planet. We see that Omega is older. She's studying blueprints for a ship. Tech is called in to help, but these other crab creatures attack the ship. Omega shoots them off using her bow, but more are coming. She runs, makes a daring escape onto the ship. Tech brings the ship around, and the badge escapes up into the ship. Hunter is still the dad with this whole, like, well, what's she doing hanging off the ship? What's going on here? Uh, they end up back at Sid's to deliver the package. We are introduced to Fee, who's a pirate and a friend of Sid. She dresses them down. I think she hits on tech, possibly. Uh, she's, given, she's given Sid some intel and then wants a cut if the uh, top elite unit is able to take care of business. We find out that this intel is sending the, the Bad Batch to the Outer Rim to Castle Sereno, the former home of Count Dooku. Sid wants them to get some of Dooku's wealth, but Hunter rejects it. The rest of the batch, though, real interesting. They make their own decisions and have a vote and decide that they want to do this, which Hunter now has to reckon with, which I don't think we'd seen before. The Bad Batch guys might be able to correct me on this. I didn't think we'd seen before where the whole crew votes one way to go get on to go on a mission. And Hunter is the one that has to be convinced of all of this um and he gives he gives in on the way him and echo have a discussion about their responsibility to fight the empire and omega's role in their situation so and omega overhears this conversation so let's stop there uh michael what do you think about this opening right in the middle of the mission going to meet going to see sid again going to meet fee obviously she doesn't have much more to do in the rest of the two episodes so that's just an introduction and the conversations that are happening here and the fact that the bad batch is kind of thinking for themselves without hunter's uh, approval necessarily so what do you think about everything that's laid out here and omega overhearing the conversation between echo and hunter yeah i mean i thought the opening was great it's a lot of fun you know it's just like i, I love i love when any movie or tv show just opens with a scene that throws us. it's classic indiana jones just throw us into mm-hmm. the middle or the end of a great big adventure and we catch up along the way um, I think Omega being much more capable. I know you were making the joke about her needing to be rescued, but like right off the bat, we see that she doesn't need to be rescued. Like she's yeah. holding her own. And I think it's nice that she's aged up just enough that we cannot have her just be the kid that needs to be rescued over and over and over again. So yeah. nice setup. Get back to Ord Mantel. I like that we see, I think it's an A3, the droid from uh, Camino yes. is now yes. serving drinks there. Uh, you know, just putting us back right into the mix of things. So we're in Sid's place. We've got the Weequay and the Athorian that are kind of like this version, the, the Star Wars version of Norman Cliff, just hanging out there, uh, <laughs> playing their games, just doing their things. Um, Fee Genoa is an interesting character, the Wanda Sykes character. I don't know where she's going to go. I'm curious to see. Like, I don't know that we need another cool character voiced by someone that we know sending them out on missions when we already have Sid. So I'm curious why they brought her into it and where her character is going to go and what she's going to bring into the mix. But yeah, to your point, I think the strongest thing about this episode uh, right off the bat is that we're starting to see all of the characters uh, on the team sort of think for themselves and have their own direction on things. So in addition to, you know, we Hunter clearly just to your point, very much like Cassie and Andor at the beginning of Andor, both of them are like, Hey, we're good. If we just keep our heads down, make some money and live our lives. And then we're going to be fine. And everyone else around them, whether it be Sid here or Luthen uh, and other characters in Andor are like, yeah, the Empire is not going to let that happen. So, you know, kind of very similar arcs for them. And I also love that Echo is the voice of We Should Do More because Echo is, uh, you know, one of Rex's boys. Like, Echo right. Echo is one, of the, is one of the clones that we loved in Clone Wars. So seeing him kind of step up, uh, you know, we've seen from the trailers of the season that we're going to see Rex as well doing what Rex is doing. So seeing Echo be the voice of, like, we should be doing more we should be fighting against the Empire, I think is a really nice role for Echo to play on the team. Um, yeah. Loved seeing, you know, Tech sort of being the teacher to Omega. So a lot of really nice stuff yeah. setting up here. Uh, like, I do think that I will say that the character stuff in these two episodes, sort of like giving us an episode that, to your point, pretty straightforward, a little light on the heavier stuff. Um, it was nice to have those character moments come in. Also, just from a nerdy Clone Wars standpoint, I think like having, you know, you could have had the planet, you could have had the spoils of war be literally any planet. But I think setting it on Sereno, having it be all of Dooku's fortune, having it all be the riches that he accumulated um, as sort of leading the Separatists in the Clone Wars, 
I think kind of made things cool. Like I liked seeing the action sequences in his castle, in his throne room. And it also just kind of underscores this idea that the good guys in the prequels are now the bad guys. And the bad guys from the prequels, which was the Separatists, as we see from the guy that's living on Sereno, and he makes a really nice point to Tech in the second episode, the bad guys that we fought all throughout the Clone Wars aren't necessarily the bad guys anymore because they're the ones that would be fighting the Empire. So I think we're seeing that sort of, um, and actually, again, echoing something that Luthen says to Saw Gerrera in Andor, where he's like, we're all going to have to band together. Like, if we're all going to fight the Empire... A bunch of people that used to be in the Republic are going to have to team up with a lot of people that used to be separatists, and we're all going to have to fight this new bad guy. So yeah. the hints of those kind of things I found really, really interesting and kind of fun. Okay, cool. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, as we saw the back and forths going on here and the reestablishment of their situation, and clearly um, a re- a Hunter saying, we've been trying to stay off the Empire's radar or since Camino. So clearly the Camino stuff having affected the the way Hunter is leading this team and the missions that they're choosing to go on. Uh, fantastic opening sequence. Like mm-hmm. again, when we've had a break from a show, you, you want to have that, that catch up moment of who are these characters again? What do they do? And right away you get, a, you get a sense of who everyone is yeah. um, that, you know, they're talking about this plant, you know, that you, you just had to do the plane, just had to do everything according to plan. Well, I, and Wrecker yelling, well, I got the, I got the chest, didn't I? And then we, you know, cutting over to Tech and Omega and we see her studying, we see her taking a break and, and Tech with his very kind of curt, almost a 3PO like deliveries, just like, oh, I'm assuming you know all these, you know, all the ships now if this, for this unscheduled uh, study break. And then watching I don't know about how you, but I was getting dad flashes. I was getting dad flashes when I saw that for me. Oh, personally. 100%. Are you done and, with the book already? You put it down? Are you done with it? Oh, God. Okay. Yes. Fine, but yes. done in that, in that English butler case. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just thought, I thought the whole sequence was really, really great and getting to watch how, Omega has leveled up in her combat skills where she makes an active choice to be like, all right, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. This is what I'm going to do. And then as we see her kind of holding on to that cable, as our, our other three run up with the crate and Hunter asking like, what is she doing on the outside of the ship? And tech saying it's an unscheduled study break. Like that's a nice quick callback to, you know, to the, the, you know, the comedic moment that you set up. And also I think it was just, from moment one it's like oh that's right this is a show that lucasfilm spends a lot of money on like this is a really really good looking show and we get that great hero moment of hunter echo and wrecker being lifted up as the crab uh, crab animals are trying to you know reach out for them it it was just a lot of fun and then you know going back to ord mantel i really like i doubt we're gonna get this i would love to get a tech wanda sykes romance (laughs) <laughs> I think that sounds like so much fun. I mean, the moment that she calls him, you know, and you know, what's your story, brown eyes? I'm like, I don't always think Wanda Sykes is the best actor, but I love Wanda Sykes' voice, especially yeah. in a situation like this. She just has a, you know, she just has a, a nice comedic bent to her delivery. Um, and I thought it was really interesting once, you know, Sid sort of proposes going to Dooku's old castle and Echo. From Omega's point of view, it sounds like Echo is having regrets about bringing Omega along. But yeah. she only heard the first part of that. I mean, Echo's right. big big statement to Hunter is like, we had the opportunity to do what you wanted to do. We chose not to do that. We right. can't go back to that. We have a responsibility now to, to you know, continue this fight. Yeah. So I think, as Vogel said, I think, you know, the first season, Echo Echo's place on the team was a little nebulous. Now it's he it's very much it's very clear what his point of view is like he's the guy that wants to get them actively into the rebellion like they have a responsibility because he was a good soldier he was one of Rex's guys. Yeah I like that like you said like you said earlier Michael uh, everyone's got their point of view now and now it's very clear who is doing what and having Echo is this person who is constantly on them about joining the Empire I started joining the rebellion against the Empire. I think is a nice color to add and a nice new dynamic to add to the show as well. Yeah, I love the intro. I mean, the, what those crab creatures are, that's pretty awesome design and look to them. Am I wrong on this? The animation feels slightly different than season one 
it feels more like a pencil drawn homage type animation or am i off i know i'm not the animation guy amongst the three of us but it felt different am i wrong on this did you guys see any difference that is not what i, I felt don't... Okay. I don't think so. I mean, it looks like, I mean, there might have been, uh, you know, maybe they're spending a little bit more money, a little bit less money, but it's basically the same models, same style. I don't think they drastically changed any kind of uh, major stuff in the episode. I liked it, though. I mean, I'm saying it yeah. felt like old school 2D animation kind of look to it. So I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the right off the bat. You know, the, I love the beach planets. I'm not going to add that to the snow thing, but I do love the beach planet. I like Scarif. I like these areas. I'm, I like having that as part of the Empire and I enjoyed that. We have Echo uh, Omega hanging off a lot of ropes over these next two episodes. So I like that she's getting more involved in the stuff. Uh, and Hunter, yeah, eventually Hunter's going to have to realize she doesn't need to be fathered much. Like she's got, you've got to let her go out on her own. And we're seeing, we saw less of Hunter trying to be her dad in these first two episodes than we have before, but it's still there. And I like that dynamic change as well. Uh, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, Moscanada and Chewie apparently had something. So why can't, uh tech and fee have something so we shall see um all right so anyway they land uh here let's see they land and head to dooku's ca- palace they see the devastation of the city due to the imperial forces and of course a reference would happen on camino so that, that's a nice little moment there to see the wreckage uh, of that city um uh, they recon uh the area there they see the empire is taking a bunch of the uh war chest stuff off world they estimate that there are 40 troopers down there hunter sets explosions on the ships as the rest of them rummage around to try to find what they can take uh because remember the conversation earlier if they bring back what they can bring back here they might be able to buy their freedom completely from sid so clearly they're focused on trying to get as much of this as possible omega finds a big stash they have a conversation about how you use wealth a little a little interesting social commentary thrown in there in the conversations with Omega and Echo and Tech there. Uh, Omega Echo and Tech as well are trapped in the container eventually because the Empire or the troops down there figure out what's going on. Record Hunter fight the troops off, end up on the container as it takes off, but they realize they're going way too high. They jump off of the container onto the top of Dooku's castle, slide down inside of the castles. Echo, Tech, and Omega try to secure an escape pod. Tech and Record fight through that castle. The troops eject all the escape pods in a way to try to trap uh, those three on there but omega figures out that they can escape on a container because hey she was studying ship blueprints so she figures out what can they what they can do wrecker helps uh and hunter escapes down a lift with uh, sorry wrecker helps him and hunter escape down the lift that's stuck in duco's castle with a little bit of force tech initiates the cargo release but no re-entry boosters have ignited and it tumbles to the planet as we end episode one. So Shannon, you're our action guy. This is the action part of the, um, of the episode here. What did you think about how they uh, kind of choreographed this and set this all up and paced everything that was going on as the two group, as the group separated in two separate groups doing what they were doing all the way to the end here with the cargo hurtling towards the planet's surface. Yeah. I think this was all a wonderful, wonderful, uh, uh, setup. Like, you know, we, you, you know, you give us the lay of the land, you get this interesting, um, shipping uh, almost you know the the star wars version of a giant cargo ship that you have this inverted triangle with all of these containers that that's just an interesting interesting uh design Mm -hmm. and as you know know, our teams have to split up you can kind of see what's coming on like okay they're getting trapped in one of those containers like that's what's (laughs) happening um but it was still it was executed really really well i mean i thought hunter and wrecker as a pair are always a lot of fun especially when there's some sort of tech-based um uh, objective they have to complete because um you know hunter's better than wrecker but hunter's not tech and as wrecker asked and was like what's taking so long and he's like you know tech usually does this this isn't my thing and then you <laughs> see a great moment yeah I mean, it's, yeah it's really really funny um and then when we get them on on the ships on the containers and you know there's you know they're trapped yeah the whole thing about yes, uh, Omega was was studying the the schematics of all these different ships in the fleet, and that she does have this idea like, hey, you know, we can go out on, on a on a shipping on a shipping container. Like they've got thrusters built in. Um, the fact that the clone troopers are willing to jettison all of the escape pods, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cutthroat. It's like, all right, they they won't be able to get out. Jettison all the escape pods. Like I think that's just. That's a fun, that's a fun um, antagonist move. And the idea that it essentially becomes a, 
shipping container meteor shower. Yeah. Uh, I was like, that. that is an awesome visual. So everything, again, everything was just set up really, really well. This is this is fun Star Wars. I mean, this mm. is this is executed well. All the characters are very clear. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it was just a, it was just a good sequence. We find the name out of the person who's leading, or the trooper, sorry, the clone trooper that's leading them. It's it's Wilco uh, there. Um, so, Mike, what did you think about how they set this up with the clone troopers there? Essentially, once again, the uh, Bad Batch taking on the clone troopers in this situation, uh, and how they paced everything out throughout. Um, uh, this sequence here ending up with those uh, uh, containers hurtling to the surface. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, they, they're doing an interesting thing, and, I mean, this is one of the things that I do get excited about and interested about in the show, is mm-hmm. there's this transition, this slow transition from clone troopers to TK troopers to just, like, sort of uh, right. you know, regular stormtroopers. And, you know, we sort of thought in the very beginning of Bad Batch, uh, you know, Moff Tarkin came in, and they basically said, like, Regular troopers are cheaper. These clones are expensive. And we were like, oh, okay, well, that's the reason. But that's clearly not the only reason. And we're sort of seeing other reasons why the clones weren't ideal for what the Empire wanted. And so setting up these characters like this Wilco character, I know we're going to see Cody again, um, you know, kind of seeing this transition, like we didn't just all of a sudden go, okay, well, the clones are gone and now it's stormtroopers. So seeing them sort of fighting like other troopers now and seeing that slow shift, I think, is one of the things that's going to be kind of interesting to watch in season two and see how that all plays out. Um, yeah. yeah, like to Shannon's point, this was all just fun stuff. Uh, I, I think the main thing I took away from this is Dooku, Dooku had a lot of shit. Dooku was very rich. <laughs> like, I hope when somebody yeah. when I die and people come to take all my shit, you need three giant ships full of car for a car of cargo containers to get everything. Like, it's like it was a lot of shit. Um and like to your point, a little bit of social commentary about where it came from, what you use them for, and then everything just goes to shit, which is usually what happens in a bad batch episode. Team yeah. gets split up, and it was really fun. I mean, you know, Shannon again says all this better than I can, but when you have these big action sequences and just being able to track what's going on and keep everything like in your sights and know what's going on, like it's just really well shot. It's really well executed. Um, you know, I love that uh, I love that Hunter and Wrecker kind of like leapt on the ship right away to try and get them. And I kind of yeah. love that moment where you're like, oh, we can't stay here. Like, this isn't going to work. You have, We're going to have to give this up and do something else and like jump onto the castle. So it was all a lot of fun seeing the entire battle through Dooku's castle, through Dooku's throne room. Again, just a great Easter egg. It could have been a sequence that happened anywhere, but having yeah. it happen there just felt a lot more fun. Um, and it was just like to Shannon's point, like this was just good fun Star Wars. Yeah, I also I, think I, I, really quickly, oh, sorry, I think that I think that a shipping container hurtling through the sky with you trapped inside is my new nightmare. <laughs> like as they were as they were going down and they're like, okay, and I'm like, yeah, sure. I know these boosters are supposed to like come in at any second, but like watching them sort of hurtle in this shipping container. And kind of having stood inside of shipping containers and Burning Man, because that's how you store a lot of your stuff, and kind of thinking about standing in a shipping container as it's hurtling towards the ground, I was like, well, I'm going to puke now. So that, that's horrifying. <laughs> I mean, I like having shipping. ridden in the back of a U-Haul where you can't see what's <laughs> happening, it's like, this is not meant for transportation. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, hurtling through the air. Um, Yeah, I mean, I like this whole action sequence. It's really well done. The pacing of it, the taking their time, him setting the explosives, going to be the distraction. You all grab the stuff. And then the conversation. I really kind of like that conversation because Omega is a young person who is still figuring out the world and being introduced to the world and people's instincts, people's uh, impulses, all these things she's kind of processing in her mind and downloading and figuring out how to react to it in her own way. And so I like that you've got elements of that going, because they're all essentially her uncles. Yeah, they're her brothers as well, but kind of her uncles in that they're older. And so they've been through the wars and experiences and the stuff, the conversations that they have there, I think are good to see as Omega forms her separate relationship with each one of them. I hope that continues into season two as well. And then when all the stuff pops off, and I mean, I love sliding down, uh, the top of that castle right on in there and seeing all the images of Dooku's castle. Plus we're talking about Dooku again, right after tales of the Jedi. So I have a weird feeling that they're opening the door 
to more of Dooku. And well, I wonder what that's going to lead to down the road. Cause I like the character and the more they've kind of talked about him, the more I'm interested. And certainly we hear about uh, back in the first part of the episode, we hear the story of what happened to Dooku being told to Omega. So Omega kind of like new people to star Wars might who haven't watched clone wars or don't know about Dooku get a little bit of information there as well. So good way to end uh, the episode as well with them hurtling towards the earth. Those That's always awesome to go to black frame on that. All right, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into season or uh, episode two right after this. That's good. That's good. Hmm. Okay, let's pick it up. Hmm. Episode two, The Ruins of War. And we are picking up right where we left off with containers hurtling to the planet's surface there. Tech makes a joke about this whole situation, which I say, I like this color on him. The re-entry thrusters engage. Hunter and Wrecker find their way out as the container of the container. Uh, the others are on a cra- as the other as the other can oh sick. Hunter and Wrecker find their way out of the castle as the container that the others are on crashes in the upper four upper northern forest part of the planet. Hunter tells them to lay low while they head for the Marauder. The container tumbles off a cliff, though, and Tech's leg is injured. And Echo sees that they're stuck on the side of a mountain. We find out that uh, that this uh, person, who was, or the trooper, rather, who's leading the clone trooper, who's leading these troops, is Captain Wilco. Uh, and they are Empire clone troopers, of course. Omega says they can't leave without the war chest, but they eventually do. Hunter and Wrecker make their way through the city. Echo Tech and Omega come upon a man named Romar, who is voiced by the great Hector Elizondo, and they get him uh, to take him them to the, his home. Wilco issues orders to his troopers on how to catch these troopers. Hunter and Wrecker come upon some tanks here. Romar's oh, at Romar's home. Romar explains why they live out there. Omega talks about the war chest. Romar tells him that Dooku took from his own people, not just from other places or other civilizations or other cultures. And then Echo tells Omega to keep an eye on Romer as they head out to go and figure out what they're going to do. Hunter and Wrecker get into the tanks, but they don't work just as the clone troopers are approaching. Echo and Tech argue yet again about their responsibility to fight the Empire. Then Romar and Tech discuss being a Serenian and not a Separatist, and they were around before the war. And then Wrecker turns himself into a tank and absolutely demolishes the troopers there. Omega takes off, and Echo and Tech go after her after Tech fixes the data on Romer's time capsule. So let's stop there. A lot to open uh, episode two here going on with uh, uh, Hunter and uh, Wrecker trying to figure their way out through the castle, trying to fight off these troopers, trying to figure out how they're going to get away from them to get to the Marauder and go and save the other three. The other three stumble upon the side of a cliff here, kind of figure it out and get out while the container is still stuck on the side of the cliff. Meet this guy, Romar, head over to his house and we hear a little bit more about the story of the planet. So, Mike, what did you think about this as an opening to episode two here uh, for season two? Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, I liked seeing a little bit more of Sereno. I don't know. I might be wrong about this, and people can mm. correct me in the comments. But I think in Clone Wars, whenever we like went to Sereno and Dooku's castle, we were pretty much just in Dooku's castle. Like, he was there. Asajj Ventress was there. Savage Opress was there. The Night Sisters were there. But we didn't ever, like, kind of pan down and really get into the city and the people of Sereno. And, uh, you know, if you read or listened to the audiobook uh, Jedi Dooku Lost, which, you know, kind of gets into a lot of Dooku's backstory and him leaving the Order and kind of becoming the Count of Sereno again, like, it's kind of nice that they're kind of melding that with what we know from Tales of the Jedi. And even though it's just the ruins of the city, it's kind of just like, to your point, John, it's kind of rounding out this Dooku story a little bit and turning him into a much more uh, tragic character than I think he was when you just look at uh, Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars, the animated series. I think that there's so much more to this character now that's kind of interesting. So again, the ruins of war is literally Hunter and Wrecker kind of running through the ruins of Sereno. But I think that that combined with this Romar stuff, it's kind of just rounding out this idea of um, what the separatists lost in this battle. I think that, you know, the separatists weren't just this um, bad guy that we needed for the prequels that then went away. Like they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with them. Um, So I think even when, you know, uh, Omega and tech and echo get out of the container, which again, in addition to a container falling through the sky, being my new biggest fear, uh, being in a container that's halfway on a cliff and halfway not where you can't move. (laughs) It's high up there too. 
Uh, clearly, I don't like enclosed spaces. Something I've learned about myself watching the season premiere of Bad Batch. Um, but yeah, like I really loved all this stuff with Romar because again, it kind of underscored the point that separatists weren't all just these big bad guys. That really, and like Clone Wars did a nice job of this as well. The separatists, for the most part, the people that lived on separatist planets were just like, we don't want to be a part of the Republic. We want to do our own thing. Like yeah. that's literally, they were, they wanted to be separate and they were normal people that had their normal wants. Now Dooku and the people at the top were manipulating that and using that. Uh, and they were ultimately being used by Palpatine because it was all just one big, you know, fake out. But kind of seeing this guy that was like, yeah, Dooku took money from us. He wasn't the best leader. He kind of became corrupt in his own way. And then especially that scene with Tech where Tech, because he is a soldier that was cloned and uh, programmed to be good guys versus bad guys, black and white, just sees something as a separatist thing. And for him to be like, no, it's Serenian. Like we were yeah. around before the war. Like we have culture and history and all this stuff kind of shows tech growing beyond just being a soldier and looking at everything the way that they've always looked at it. So I thought that was really nice. I kind of like, I really like what they're doing with tech a lot. Because yeah, me too. Yeah. he isn't he isn't just the okay, I'm the smart guy, but as the smart guy who analyzes everything in a very analytical way, seeing him sort of grow beyond that and learn things is nice. And the same way everything with Omega and this kaleidoscope. Uh Omega yeah. wants oh, to yeah. be just like her big she wants to be like her big brothers or her uncles or her bruncles or whatever you want to call them. Um and so she's very much focused, and you see her in this whole episode. Uh, particularly because of what Echo said, trying to prove that she's just like them. She's got to yeah. get the treasure. They got to get the spoils. They got to complete the mission. And for, so Romar being like, hey, you're a kid. Here's a kaleidoscope. Just enjoy right. it. That's <laughs> nice. Um, is a really nice thing that it's reminding us in little ways with each of these characters that there's more to living than just surviving and just completing a mission. Right. You know, Hunter there's, just wants to complete the missions and go on his way. Uh, Tech is very black and white, like there's good guys and bad guys. Uh, Echo's like, you know, we've got to do more for fighting. And Omega's still a kid and she's growing. And so seeing how each of these people is sort of reflective of like kind of what the Empire forces you into and what the Empire takes away from you, um, I thought was really lovely. Yeah. It's a nice balancing act to try to give each of these characters their own kind of separate storyline that you can kind of latch onto and follow throughout these episodes. Certainly with Omega, you know, we see her hugging that doll in episode one when she's listening, yep. after she listens to Hunter and Echo. Of course, that's the doll that Wrecker gave her last season. So to see her ha holding onto this kaleidoscope and, and remembering that there is a still a child here, it's a great point you bring up, Michael. It's a nice balance to her also getting the more harder edge training that she's getting from uh, the Bad Batch, so it's a good uh, situation there. All right, Shannon, what do you think about this whole beginning? Um, uh, everything going on in the container, and then uh, everything that happens out in the wreckage here with Hunter and uh, uh, Wrecker, and then, of course, with Romar coming in here, trying to get school tech, as Michael said, just like they're schooling Omega in a way, giving him the blueprints of what's going on on these planets or what happened on these planets before so that they can have a little more knowledge as well, a little more understanding, maybe even a little more empathy uh, when they come across uh, people who are native people of the planet. So what'd you think of all this as an opening to uh, episode two? Again, cargo container meteor shower. That's awesome. Like that's a, that's a great fun concept that I'm at, you know, that was broken in the room like that. Whenever, you know, we get these fun, these fun moments in bad batch, clone wars, rebels, what have you, um, you know, and Vogel can testify to this. Like, like I, that is the room that I would wanted. I would wanted to have been in because just mm -hmm. getting to bounce fun, crazy action adventure ideas within the realm of Star Wars. Like, that's just that's just my happy place. Um, the <laughs> the idea that the purpose of those thrusters is to save the merchandise. And it's like, it's not uh, to save, it's not to save a life. There's not supposed to be living things on there. So, uh, you know, and, and because it doesn't have windows, you know, you're always looking in an action sequence. Like obviously you want to put something together that, that is exciting and thrilling. Um, but you're always looking for that one extra layer. 
Mm-hmm. And because the cargo containers don't have windows, they think they've stopped and they realize they're on the side of a cliff. I mean, these are old tropes, but they work really, really well. Yeah. Um, them meeting with uh, Hector Elizondo's character as they're, you know, kind of talking about the separatist uh, Sereno dynamic. Like, I, I keep thinking back to like uh, Palpatine when he picked Dooku knowing that this is an yeah. older apprentice yeah um who also is a wealthy wealthy individual yeah of course that when this guy eventually when i get rid of him there are going to be it, it's not just making room for this apprentice that i really want for anakin skywalker i'm getting a whole butt ton of money mm-hmm. like it's just it just provides all these interesting layers on things that i imagine they didn't they may not have thought of at the time. I mean, I think that's what Filoni and crew are so good at is finding these interesting stories in between the pages, um, which is just, which is just a lot of fun. And I love the, the Omega uh, Elizondo scene where he gives her that kaleidoscope. Are they jewels? Are they jewels? Like, no, 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 no. It's reflective glass. What does it do? What is it? It's a toy. It's a toy. (laughs) Enjoy it. Like that's just that's just a lot of fun. And then when they do find those separatist tanks, like generally, even though like we know some time has passed because they've aged Omega up, generally in in the writing, you'll give some sort of context as to like, you know, Hunter, we've been on the run for three years, something like that. Something that on the page, like it it, look it's a little on the nose, but it works. Yeah. The way that they refer to the separate tanks, old separatist tanks that we're getting an idea like, okay, that's how much time has passed that these things are starting, you know, they've been out in the elements. They're starting to look a little worse for wear, but you know, uh, Wrecker grabbing the, the cannon from a tank. I mean, that, that, that is very similar to something Vogel and I wrote a couple of years ago. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Mike? I mean, it's for an animated series that may never see the light of day, but we had, we had a situation where another character, was able to use a very large use something that's for a vehicle they were able to use it in their hands so right. watching that not only was I like hey that's really funny <laughs> that you I see the like, clone troopers firing their blasters but then him responding with dang with it i just like and, and, and like you know when you have this many characters not everyone is going to have like a major arc in an episode or a two episode arc right. but like you love it omega is struggling with like her place on the team like tech is learning that things are more than black and white echo really wants to like step up and fight hunter wants to keep everybody safe wrecker gets a cannon yeah wrecker's cannon. Like, that's his arc wrecker's arc is wrecker's arc is i went out i found a cannon and then the last shot of him in the episode is him just petting that thing like it's his new baby like oh that's that's wrecker's arc for the episode <laughs> i'm a simple it, guy yeah exactly. it, it, it may have you know sucked out some of the stakes in the moment but when when the clone troopers run away from him firing this cannon i just wanted one additional line of dialogue as they run out he's got a cannon <laughs> like, i thought that would have been so so funny <laughs> Uh, yeah, and for uh, you Easter egg people, uh, we see the low altitude assault transport vehicles coming on near the beginning there. And the Bad Batch, the tanks you're talking about, those are the AAT battle tanks. And we see them mess around with a Roger droid that's there on top, which I think is a really funny moment. I almost, you wanted that line. I almost wanted the Roger droid to have some final like word as he's throwing them away or something. I didn't no. know if it was going to happen there. But yeah, it would have been bad, but I think it might have been funny. <laughs> hey, something like that. Anyway, um, uh, let's see. As I said, Wrecker turns himself into a tank. Uh, um, uh, Omega takes, oh, you know, we said that Wrecker and Hunter fight off the troops here while Echo and Omega try to get the loot. Off the cargo ship, Omega is desperate to save it. That's why she's run off without telling uh, Romar or um, Echo or Tech where she's going. She wants to save this loot off the cargo ship. And Echo is the one to tell her that she has to let it go. But then Omega brings up the conversation. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely had uh, uh, Last Crusade uh, in my mind. You know, it's like, let it go, Indiana or whatever. You know, so having that moment happen here, I thought it was a nice little callback to a scene that's also, or a franchise rather, that's also under the Disney umbrella here. She Echo tells her to let it go even after she confronts him with the words he said earlier to Hunter. It's very reminiscent. I said it last because Romar shows up to help Tech, Omega, and Echo. Eventually, uh, Omega does let it go. Tech shoots off a check, uh, grabs this uh, uh, blaster there, shoots off a ship. And some speeder bikes. Romar grabs one of the speeder bikes and yanks Omega and uh, Echo back up over the cliff there. Hunter and Wrecker show up, get everybody on board as Romar gives 
his kaleidoscope to Omega. Omega and Echo talk about making the right choice in the final scene between them in this episode here and what it means and the value of it all. Echo becoming like this interesting counselor for for. Uh, Omega, because I think in the in the first season she wasn't he wasn't quite doing that. Now all this time that they've spent between season one and season two, this relationship now is developing where Echo feels more comfortable having these kind of conversations with Omega. Uh, Wilco is reporting in to a Rampart. Emerald Rampart is back and asks, and a Rampart asks about the inaccuracies in uh, Wilco's report. He's like, "What inaccuracies?" Uh, he's like, "Well, that you put Clone Force ninety nine. That's not possible. Clone Force ninety nine died." On Camino, they can't possibly be alive. He tells Wilco to resubmit a new form uh, or new report, rather. Wilco refuses to do so, which you know Rampart knew he was going to refuse to do so. And as he turns around, Rampart is there. And in a scene out of Andor, he shoots him dead. So what an ending to, to episode two here for the Bad Batch. Shannon, your thoughts here as we get through the action on the cliff that's going on and uh, the save uh, saving of all the bad batch, the conversation on the ship. And then this final situation between Wilco and Rampart. Yeah. All, all great stuff. I mean, I mean, I, I really like the comedic moment between Hunter and Wrecker. He's like the Marauders over that Ridge. You said that about the last one. <laughs> I mean, there are so many lines like that. Like yeah. we just have to get over this Ridge. And after a while, Wrecker's just kind of like, all right, do you actually know that? <laughs> <laughs> you start to see him kind of catching on. It's a little, um, and, and look, it's a little bit of questioning of Hunter's leadership, just in a subtle way. Just in a subtle way, it's a funny moment, but maybe a little bit questioning that as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought the the Last Crusade moment was great, yeah. and with their conversation afterwards, where Echo was kind of like, "Look, yeah, I what we did getting you off Camino, I would do it all again." Like, you know, you just see you see that bond. The interesting thing about Echo and I. I feel like this was discussed in the series i might be wrong um but they were talking about like he does he didn't really know where his place on the team was i mean he he comes from a different world i mean the idea that wrecker hunter tech less so with crosshair but them wanting them being willing to 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 bring a child uh, along on these missions because they come from an unconventional world like he comes from a world of rules where that is not what you do so now that he has opened up to the opened up to the idea of this this you know this kid our little sister um yes i i would do this thing that you're not supposed to do all over again because that was the right thing to do like you, right. you're one of us um and i think it's also him becoming one of them as well uh the the return of uh, rampart with my with my buddy no sheer um yeah. You know, anytime a character shows up in an Imperial uniform, you are a bad guy by default. Every once in a while, you'll get some, you'll get like a callus, but even then that takes time for them to kind of uh, change their path. But giving Rampart this extra layer of villainy. I mean, I love the, you know, the, the, the inaccuracies of this report, like this, this passive aggressive, like, oh, I'm just so confused about why you would say this. And he's like, no, no, like that. I saw them. I saw two of them. Like they were there. He's like, huh? Okay. Well, that wouldn't look good. So I'm going to need you to uh, submit a new report. And that again, Wilco coming from the world that Echo comes from that black and white, here are our orders. This is what you do. And him saying, like, I will not falsify a report. But he doesn't say it with conviction. Like, you can tell he knows what's about to come. Yeah. But his whole idea of that that delivery by D. Bradley Baker, uh, D. Bradley Baker is so fantastic. That, that hesitance, reticence, um, I will not fa- falsify a report. And then, you know, Rampart pulling out his blaster, I will. Bang. And, and again, that gives our, our big bad an extra layer of bad, which is always, which is always fun. It kind of sets him out from your normal villain. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that was kind of missing from season one is we didn't have really an overall big bad. It was kind of spread out to different people, different situations. Having if Rampart becomes a big bad over these next 14 episodes, that's good. You get someone you're focusing on something. You can have a back and forth on in comparison and follow through the whole situation and see if maybe this is a new character that you can enjoy seeing multiple levels from as this goes along. And you're right. It's a, it's a noble death, even though Wilco was just the antagonist to our protagonists in this, in these two episodes, seeing him have a, a, a little bit of nobility here, 
because as you said, Shannon, he's from a different um, uh, operating uh, uh, mentality uh, is nice to see there at the end. And it adds a little more to the death of him as well, to have that noble moment just before the shot is fired. Mike, what are your thoughts here? As we see the action sequences going on, the Romar stuff here, him getting involved with saving Echo and Omega, and then boom, leading to this, and the conversation with Omega and uh, Echo as well, then leading to this uh, ending scene here between uh, Rampart and Wilco. Yeah, I mean, I thought the action was all a lot of fun. Uh, you know, pretty straightforward stuff, but like it was fun to watch it all take place, fun to watch them all come together. Love an Indiana Jones reference, so I'm always yeah. on board for that. Um, no, I thought the Echo and Omega stuff was really nice because, you know, Omega is sort of related to the Bad Batch, but to Shannon's point, Echo, is just, Echo was just a regular clone. He wasn't right. part of Clone Force 99. He wasn't, he's special and unique now because of the journey that he went on. But he is a little bit of an outsider. And I do kind of feel like in season one, they had him there and they knew that eventually, because he was on Rex's team, he was going to be the voice of we should be doing this. But because they didn't really get there in season one, I feel like they didn't really know a lot. Maybe it would have been fun for them to play a little bit more of him actively being more like, I don't know where I fit on this team. But I think that him and Omega having this moment now is really, really lovely and really nice. And yeah, like I just like I said at the top of this, like I think that particularly with Tech and Echo, we got some really nice character stuff with them that rounded them out a little bit more than they had been rounded out, I felt, in season one. Um, and then, yeah, everything with Rampart at the end, like, this is what's interesting. I don't know that Wilco was noble so much as, like, what it really established is that clones follow orders. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not that Order 66 all of a sudden turned the clones into a bunch of evil villains. It just switched their programming on their orders in regards to the Jedi. The Jedi were now the bad guys. But, like, those, what's interesting is you're, you're seeing how... The clones don't work for the Empire because the Empire works on everybody being out for themselves and backstabbing each other. And that the clones follow orders. They do exactly what they are told. That's what they were programmed to do. So Wilco is not going to falsify reports because that would be against the rules. And so not only does it make Rampart more villainous and you see how disposable they think clones are, and not only does it sort of establish um, why... Uh, the Empire can't really use clones. Uh, They're going to need people that are going to be able to be swayed and uh, take a bribe and look the other way. And so you just sort of see how, I don't know, I just think it's really lovely how this whole show, I think, is just a giant send-off, like a giant love letter to the clones in general. Mm. Not only through the Bad Batch and Clone Force 99, but through seeing these different colors of the clones that are still working for the Empire and seeing this struggle happen. Um, And I think that Wilco is just the first of a few different ways that we're going to see that throughout this season. That's a good point. Yeah, excellent. Um, Yeah, and I like like that we're getting these conversations happening now right off the bat. I, I like that they're not just waiting to build into it. I even didn't even miss Crosshair. Like, I was just like, okay, well, I guess he'll show up at some point, but... I was enjoying getting back into the rhythm of these guys and having the back forths and of course Omega as well and where they're at and what they're going through and seeing these these two episodes of the whole action sequences everything was is what I enjoy and now hopefully the teasing as Shannon alluded to earlier the teasing to something bigger coming uh in the next 12 episodes I think I hope we see the fruition of that uh and these conversations getting a little more deeper as we see the experiences and look the way I look at shows now, because I'm seasoned and also cynical, the second they start to give one clone or one character a lot more than they did before, it's it scares me that they're heading towards a death. And so in my mind, <laughs> I start to worry which one of these guys is going, and it feels like either Echo or Tech might be uh, RIP by the end of the season. And I don't know, because as I said, I haven't watched all of them, but I just have a weird feeling that that may be coming here as we watch this. All right. Any final words on these two episodes, uh, uh, Shannon or Mike? No, I mean, it, this was, this was an enjoyable reintroduction to our heroes, uh, a taste of things to come. And I look forward to doing this over the next, uh, however many weeks uh, with uh, hopefully our, our, our good, our good star Wars buddy, Laura Kelly. 
Yes, so we should say, I should have said that at the top of the show, Laura's not joining us because she has COVID uh, for a second time, So, which she's fine with me saying to you guys, she told me I could do that. Um, but she will be back next week. So uh, hopefully if she you know heals up over the weekend, she will be back next week to hang out with us for the rest of the run. Michael, any final words on these first two episodes? Yeah, like I said, look, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I'm going to read and watch every Star Wars thing in the world. And with the exception of Rise of Skywalker, I will probably enjoy most of it. Um, so, uh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm going to watch all of these. I love these characters. I love being in this world. I'm the guy that if you put it on Sereno or you put, uh, Dex in there and they go to his diner or whatever you want to do, I'm going to get excited and be into it. I do think that, and I think, I mean, I think that what we said about Andor in the live action sense of Star Wars applies to all Star Wars. And I think that when things like Andor come along, and elevate uh, what the stories you're telling. And I would even say what Tales of the Jedi did in the way that they sort of rounded out Dooku and sort of like in in a couple very short episodes between what they did with Dooku and Yaddle and everything else, they just sort of added to the mythology. And Star Wars is this epic tapestry of a mythology that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as we go. And so there's going to be things that come along that really just add to the tapestry and elevate the story and like sweep us away. And then there's things that come along that are super fun because they're in the Star Wars universe. And Bad Batch has had moments where it almost got there, but I still feel like right now it's a bunch of really fun characters having a lot of fun in a universe that we really like. And I'm kind of craving a little bit more and I'm hoping we get there this season. Sounds like you're saying that they're still missing the cutoff man and you'd like them to work on that before That's next something season. I'd like you to work on for next season. <laughs> Which is totally cool. And I want to say, I like the symbolism here of tech helping to make that uh, machine work for Romar. In essence, them re- symbolizing rebirth in a way uh, or fixing what the empire had destroyed, who they had been in service of without knowing fixing the stuff that the empire has destroyed i like that symbolism of that as well i like that rampart's gonna possibly take a little more of a central role because obviously he doesn't want the empire the emperor to know that he messed up uh, with clone force 99 and they're still alive because that means his death is on the horizon if that gets found out so he's going to take a more active approach in trying to kill them or destroy them so I like that that's going to be running through the season as well. And the development of Omega and Echo's relationship, which could lead to Omega, you know, moving into the leadership role of this Clone Force 99 and leading them into the fight against the Empire. Because remember, she's the one that constantly says, we got to do this. We got to save these people. We got to do it from season one on. So it could be that she is the one that moves them into more centrally into the fight against the Empire. It is. I mean, Hunter's entire argument is we need to give Omega a safe and better life so that she can grow up. So it is, it is almost written in the stars that like Omega is ultimately going to be like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to hide. I want to fight like that is pretty much that that's almost a guarantee. I think. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, there you go. That's our review of the first two episodes of uh, season two of the bad batch. Thank you all so much for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, we appreciate it badly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, if you like beaches, action sequences, and you are scared <laughs> to death of falling in shipping containers, you are our kind of people. Uh, and here is what you can do to help us keep doing what we do. Uh, You can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got right there, leave your comments below. What did you think of the first two episodes of Bad Batch Season 2? Do you want more of the same? Do you want more? Do you want less? Where do you think things are going and what are you excited to see? If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And a big shout out to Carbon Health as well, who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com. If you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or need, they are great people. Go and take a look at them. Get virtually checked out. Get physically checked out. All of that is possible. They're download the app to have a doc in your pocket. But head on over there and t- tell them that the Geek Buddy sent you. And if you do go 
take a picture and tweet it out. Tag us. I will retweet it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> to give them some love, for God's sake. So head on over there. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, look for our Willow episode six and seven spoiler review coming up later on this week as well. And our uh, uh, main show already dropped earlier this week. So go and watch that if you missed that as well. All right. Thanks so much. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.